Good morning. This is Alan Carroll at Carroll Pharmacy in Smithfield, and we are proud to bring you Hope for Today, a program we hope might help you, inspire you, or encourage you and give you hope for today. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Begin the day with God. Kneel down to Him in prayer. Lift up thy heart to His abode and seek His love to share. Open the book of God and read a portion there, that it may hallow all thy thoughts and sweeten all thy care. Go through the day with God, whate'er thy work may be. Wherever thou art, at home, abroad, he still is near to thee. Converse in mind with God, thy spirit heavenward raise. Acknowledge every good bestowed and offer grateful praise. Lie down at night with God, who gives his servants sleep. When thou treadst the veil of death, he will thee guard and keep. I have just read for you a daily exercise suggested nearly a hundred years ago in the devotional book, The Way, written by E. Stanley Jones. I will repeat these five exercises that all of us would do well to get into the habit of doing each day. Here they are again in concise form. Begin the day with God. Open the book of God. Go through the day with God. Converse in mind with God and lie down at night with God. I certainly think we would all have a better life if we could get into these habits. We are going to spring forward into daylight savings time. Some of us will perhaps lose an hour of sleep, but we will have gained an hour of sunlight. And I do like the thought of that, which got me thinking about the light of the world. Let me read this to you from the Bible, the New Testament book of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 13. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. John was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I was thinking back to how the world was before Jesus came into the world. The world was in darkness, the darkness of sin. But then Jesus came and he was light. He let his light shine into those around him. And then when he left earth and returned to heaven, that light was in just a few people. But from that handful of disciples and other close followers who were infused with the light of Jesus Christ, that light has slowly but surely spread over almost all the inhabited earth. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In the Encounter section of the Blackaby Study Bible in reference to verse 16, this is what is said about light. Light shines. It always has and it always will. 
Jesus, the light of the world, will always be visible in the life of a believer. Our faith is personal, but it is never private. It is obvious for all to see. What that is saying to us who are Christians and have professed our faith in Jesus Christ is that we need to reflect Christ in all we say and all we do and in all we are. In the book of John, chapter 12, verse 46, Jesus says, I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Here's what the encounter section says about this verse. Light dispels darkness. Once you place your trust in Jesus, your life is illuminated. You see yourself as you never did before. Until then, you walk in shadows, end of quote. Are you walking in the shadows today? Is there an area of your life that you need the light of Christ to shine into and dispel the darkness that is there? The darkness of having other gods before the one true God? The darkness of an unforgiving spirit? The darkness of self-righteousness? The darkness of pride or prejudice? The darkness of sins of the flesh? The darkness of cheating? And the areas of darkness are pretty much endless. They could go on and on. You can fill in your own darkness that is casting its shadow in your life today and no doubt casting its shadow on the lives of those people closest to you. Our hope for today, our only hope, is in Jesus Christ, who is the true light. I want to read you what Charles Spurgeon says in his devotional based on John 12:46 in his devotional book, Faith's Checkbook. This was from March the 10th. And here was the verse again, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And that was John 12:46. And here's what Spurgeon says. This world is dark as midnight. Jesus came so that we may have light and may no longer sit in the gloom that covers mankind. If we trust in Jesus, we shall enter into the warm light of a day that shall never end. Why do we not come out into the light at once? A cloud may sometimes hover over us, but we shall not abide in darkness if we believe in Jesus. He has come to give us daylight. If we have faith, we have the privilege of sunlight. Let us enjoy it. From the night of ignorance, doubt, despair, sin, and dread, Jesus has come to set us free. Shake off your depression and abide in the light. In Jesus is your hope, your joy, your heaven. Look to him only, and you will rejoice as the birds rejoice at sunrise and as the angels rejoice before the throne. If you are a Christian, is your attitude shedding the light of Christ to everyone you come in contact with? If not... Why not? You have the Holy Spirit of Christ in you. Let your own selfish spirit become less and let his spirit take over. In other words, in the words of Jesus as recorded in Luke 9, 23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For his spirit to become more, we must deny ourselves and let his Holy Spirit take over. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Are you a living sacrifice, acceptable to God? This is what is said in the encounter for verse 1 of chapter 12. There is a cost to following Jesus. Because he is willing to pay the price and you are his body, 
you too will pay a price. The evil one is quick to reveal the cost of obedience, but he conceals the price of disobedience. And what are some of the costs of the disobedience? Never experiencing the adventure of following Christ. Your children's not seeing God at work. Suffering the consequences of your sin. And having your relationship with the Lord harmed because you would not follow Him. How great is your sacrifice? How great is your sacrifice? It gains you eternal life in Christ. From Max Lucado's book, When God Whispers Your Name, he bases his devotional of January 10th on this verse found in John 18:36. My kingdom does not belong to this world. And here is that devotional reading. Unhappiness on earth cultivates a hunger for heaven. By gracing us with a deep dissatisfaction, God holds our attention. The only tragedy, then, is to be satisfied prematurely, to settle for earth, to be content in a strange land. We are not happy here because we are not at home here. We are not happy here because we are not supposed to be happy here. We are like foreigners and strangers in this world. And you will never be completely happy on earth simply because you were not made for earth. Oh, you will have your moments of joy. You will catch glimpses of light. You will know moments or even days of peace, but they simply do not compare with the happiness that lies ahead. In Sarah Young's devotional book, Jesus Calling, here is her reading for March the 9th, and this is from Sarah Young. Don't be so hard on yourself. I can bring good even out of your mistakes. Your finite mind tends to look backward, longing to undo decisions you have come to regret. This is a waste of time and energy, leading only to frustration. Instead of floundering in the past, release your mistakes to me. Look to me in trust, anticipating that my infinite creativity can weave both good choices and bad into a lovely design. Because you are human, you will continue to make mistakes. Thinking that you should live an error-free life is symptomatic of pride. Your failures can be a source of blessing, humbling you and giving you empathy for other people in their weaknesses. Best of all, failure highlights your dependence on me. I am able to bring beauty out of the morass of your mistakes. Trust me and watch to see what I will do. Now I'm going to go to God Calling from April the 9th. I'm just reading you what some of these these people that I read from every day have had to say about different things that might concern light. And this is from the April 9th of God Calling. And this verse is from Isaiah. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. The call comes on this my day for all who love me. Now remember, this is God calling to arise from earth bands, from sin and sloth and depression, from distrust and fear and all that hinders the risen life, to arise to beauty, to holiness, to joy, to peace, to work inspired by love and joy, to rise from death to life. Remember that death was the last enemy I destroyed. So with death, my victory was complete. You have nothing then to fear. Sin, too, is conquered and forgiven as you live and move and work with me. All that depresses you, all that you fear, are powerless to harm you. They are but phantoms. The real forces I conquered in the wilderness, the Garden of Gethsemane, on the cross, in the tomb. Let nothing hinder your risen life. Risen with Christ, said my servant Paul. Seek to know more and more of that risen life. 
That is the life of conquest. Of that risen life was it truly said, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Fear and despair and tears come as you stand by the empty tomb. They have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. Rise from your fears and go out into the sunlight to meet me, your risen Lord. Each day will have much in it that you will meet either in the spirit of the tomb or in the spirit of resurrection. Deliberately choose the one and reject the other. And I hope that you are rejecting the spirit of resurrection. From Philippians two fourteen and 16, it says, In everything you do, stay away from complaining and arguing, so that no one can speak a word of blame against you. You are to live clean, innocent lives as children of God in a dark world full of people who are crooked and stubborn. Shine out among them like beacon lights, holding out to them the word of life. And now I want to read to you from Charles Spurgeon's book, morning by morning, his devotional book. And this is a reading from September the 6th. And here's the verse. I think I just read for you. I did. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. And that's from Philippians 2.15. And here's his devotional reading. We use lights in order to see things more clearly. A Christian should so shine in his life that a person could not live with him a week without knowing the gospel. His conversation should be such that all who are around him would clearly perceive whose he is and whom he serves. People should see the image of Jesus reflected in his daily actions. Lights are intended for guidance. We are to help those around us who are in the dark. We are to hold forth the word of life to them. We are to point sinners to the Savior and the weary to a divine resting place. Men sometimes read their Bibles and fail to understand them. We should be ready, like Philip, to instruct the inquirer in the meaning of God's Word, the way of salvation and in the life of godliness. Lights are also used for warning. On our rocks and shoals, a lighthouse is sure to be erected. Christians should know that there are many false lights shining everywhere in the world. Therefore, the right light is needed. The records of Satan are always abroad, tempting the ungodly to sin under the name of pleasure. They hoist the wrong light. It is our responsibility to put up the true light on every dangerous rock, to point out every sin and tell what it leads to, so that we may be clear of the blood of all men, shining as lights in the world. Lights also have a cheering influence, and so do Christians. A Christian should be a comforter with kind words on his lips and sympathy in his heart. He should carry sunshine wherever he goes and diffuse happiness around him. Gracious Spirit, dwell with me. I myself would gracious be. And with words that help and heal, would your life in mine reveal. And with actions bold and meek, would for Christ my Savior speak. Christ is the light of the world. When he went up to heaven, he sent his light by his Holy Spirit to be in his followers. We who are Christians have the light of Christ in us. Our hope for today is that we will always shine the light of Christ into this dark world where we live. Because if we do, it will glorify God and we will be doing the work of Christ. To quote Jesus from his Sermon on the Mount, You are the light of the world. Let your light shine for all to see so that your heavenly Father will be praised. In closing, I would like to read words from the hymn, In Christ Alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. 
He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. For I am his, and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I stand. Then I want to read you this short biography of the people who wrote In Christ Alone. We've some new names to add to the roll call of classic hymnist Keith and Kristen Getty, the Irish couple who have richly expanded our hymn books. In 2001, they teamed up with Stuart Townen to give us In Christ Alone. And this is what Keith wrote. Of all the hymns we have written, this hymn is the most popular wherever we go. Ironically, it is the first hymn we ever penned together. I had a strong, very Irish melody that I could imagine a large crowd singing. I wanted it to become a hymn that would declare the whole life of Christ and what it meant. Stewart penned an incredible lyric, which the two of us edited, developed, and rewrote for a couple of weeks until it became In Christ Alone. As well as being a creedal song, it fires people with hope that there is the God who even death cannot hold. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. Keith tells of one particularly moving letter from a soldier at war who said he listened to this hymn day and night. Quote, as I drive down the highway with my M16 pointed out the window and my 9mm pistol tucked in my flak jacket pocket, I can tell you that I feel more secure in claiming the promise, quote, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home than I do with the rifle and the pistol. Robert J. Morgan said that a couple of years ago, he had the opportunity of sharing a cup of coffee with Keith and Kristen and found them sincere, gentle, and devoted to Jesus, just like their hymns indicate. And he explains there are two reasons, this is what Keith said, that he and Kristen write modern hymns. First, it is to help teach the faith. The second reason is to try to create a more timeless musical style every generation can sing. For that, we're thankful. I leave you today with these words from Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. My hope for today is that all you listening will believe in Jesus and have eternal life. Thank you for listening. been listening to Hope for Today, brought to you each Sunday morning by Carol Pharmacy. We hope the message today has helped and encouraged you. If we can ever help you with your prescriptions, over-the-counter medications, or vaccines, 
We hope you will come into our family-owned and operated independent pharmacy, where outstanding customer service is our goal 